Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Well, I'm pretty sure everybody's been tuned into the uh, studio here this week and found out about Oshawa and the GM plant closing. Uh, I was asked to weigh in with a few of our hosts and a few other uh, a few other TV shows and just to figure out, you know, is the market going to collapse? Um, obviously, you know, my take on it is it is not. But that said, uh, instead of me always weighing in on it, I'm going to bring in an industry expert uh, later in the hour. He's going to join me right here in the studio, Roger Bauma, and he is a real estate broker with Remax Jazz out of Oshawa, 29 years experience in the business in Oshawa and uh, we're going to get him on the show. We're going to talk about what his take is on the real estate market in Oshawa. Can it absorb, you know, any extra inventory that could possibly be the result of this latest closure coming up? And uh, and then a little bit later on in the hour, I've got Justin Sherwood joining me from Build. We're going to talk about the red tape and why builders are struggling so much with the municipalities and government to get inventory into the marketplace. Again, this is one of the hottest topics in 2018 you know what is the government doing about it and is there other ways for us to get some inventory so that you have a place to live it's making it quite difficult and uh so we're gonna have to talk about that of course um by the way i just uh thought i'd give everybody an update um the the uh, release that we've had going at the Simple Investor is doing exceptionally well. We've got a few units left. 129.9, you own an investment property with guaranteed rent hands off. You don't even meet your tenant. It's very, very simple. If you want to find out more, go to simpleinvestor.com. And hey, by the way, also coming up in January, the 18th Thursday, uh, we've got our next Simple Seminar. And for those of you that have attended, you know I try to break it down, give you some of the updates on what the government rules and regulations are changing and uh, also who makes the best tenant so make sure uh, you go to our website thesimpleinvestor.com to register get the new year started off right uh, if not if you don't own investment property I'm still going to encourage you to do it because quite frankly you know over a long t- long term it's an investment when we don't speculate here we do investments so uh, that said lots going on in the news this week all sorts of things you know hitting the headlines and as you know I like to break break most of it down. Um, big uh, big kerfuffle when when originally the uh, provincial government said that they're going to nix the rent control on new units. They figure that's going to solve the lack of supply. So, Ontario Housing Minister is standing by the government's uh, elimination of the rent controls on new units as the best way to alleviate Toronto's vacancy. Um, okay, so. I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to obviously encourage builders to come back to the the table and say, you know, we need some properties. And the best way to do it is, you know, if you don't have rent control, you can do it. Now, a lot of people, of course, immediately jumped on the bandwagon saying, wait a minute, that means that these developers can turn around and charge whatever they want. It's going to inflate the rental costs and then we're going to be left high and dry. Well, here's the good thing, folks. You don't have to rent it. And this is the one thing, just because they have something doesn't necessarily mean you have to rent it. Now, I know market, the market's tight, uh, you know, it's very, very tight, but they, uh, the, one of the reasons why the builders are looking at this and will take it seriously now is that because the operation of some of these buildings, when they get them up and running, uh, it, you know, with the costs going up, hydro, of course, being one of the big issues uh, going up. And in fact, that's one of the things that they cited. They thought that maybe GM was taking a look at the bottom line and saying our hydro costs in Ontario are so high, you know, it's not worth it. But ultimately, in the end, 
builders do the same thing when they are turning around and they either build, you know, a condominium or for that matter, they build purpose-built rentals. They do look at the cost. They are a business and typically if they're going to stay around, they can't be a non-profit organization. So these are the kind of things that we've got to take a look at and, you know, what is going to be the big thing? Well, I think we're going to start seeing uh, units built in around two and three bedrooms, probably coming in around a thousand square feet. I think that this is going to be an important part of what is going to be released. And I hope that when the powers to be turn around and say, okay, what are you going to build for us? I hope everybody realizes it should not just be one bedrooms because that does not alleviate the real issue that we have, which is more of the family uh, that are lacking places to rent. So two and three bedrooms, my first suggestion, if you want to weigh in on it, um, you know, make sure you reach out to all the powers to be and let them know that, you know, you would agree with that or not. Um, and again, taking a look at what's happening, uh, you know, I, I, these conflicting reports, you know, I think everybody saw the the release on the uh, on the bank earnings, and I'm not sure how everybody feels about that. Uh, you know, to me, I look at that, and when you know they're in the billions, um, you've got to wonder, okay, how how much do the banks really need to make. And of course, a couple of them are citing that they they think that the real estate market's going to soften up a little in 2019. You know, when you see CIBC and RBC reports their uh, billions in their, their fourth quarter profits, um, gee, if the market softens up, does that mean it's going to really affect them? Or who does it really affect? I would say us, of course, and we are the ones that are paying for it. So um, my one of, the, one of my takes on this is that if the if the banks want to keep uh, people moving forward with investment real estate home ownership, they should uh, they should work on their discounts. You know, it's up to them. Uh, they have the discretion to be able to discount the rates. Yes, the Bank of Canada uh, determines the rate where the starting point is, but banks do have the ability of being able to give you a discount. And one of the things that I would encourage everyone is that if you have, if you're looking for a mortgage, remember, don't just to go to one lender, go to two or three and really see who's got the best rate for you. Because again, if you're going to tie this in for a long period of time, you want to make sure that you're you're taking care of yourself. Um, other things that are going on, of course, uh, Mississauga has been saying that, um, you know, they've got a bit of a housing shortage and affordable rentals are hard to come, but not only in Mississauga, uh, pretty much every single municipality across Ontario. It's it's the low inventory. You know, we are we are dangerously low uh, when it comes down to excess properties that can be rented out. And again, one of the solutions that's been uh, tabled, uh, Mississauga is now following up with it, is the fact that having the ability to register your basement apartment legally, not illegally. So when you look, take a look at a listing, when you see something that says non-retrofit status, it no, generally means that it's non-conforming, which means it's not legally registered. But if you do get a legal basement apartment registered, you can actually use the income from that basement apartment when you qualify for a mortgage. And this is one of those things I've been talking about a lot over the last little while with you know, a few of the industry experts saying, why not free up the ability to put in more basement apartments? And of course, you know, I had a little bit of a backlash, a little bit of pushback from a few people and say, hey, Todd, you know, we don't want that many people in our neighborhood. Well, here's the thing. If you turn around and you start doing basement apartments, okay, you're going to have people that can stay longer in their house. It's more affordable. 
uh, yes, you've got tax dollars that can come in. And, you know, that's the one thing is if we start registering some of these basement apartments, you can increase the taxation on the property, which means that you should be able to take care of everything in the area that's going to be required. And so this is this is part and parcel of what we have to take a real hard look at. And I think it's one of the struggles that people do. You know, they always say not in my backyard. Well, if we don't do it somewhere, then, you know, it's the crisis is going to continue. So right now, uh, basically, the calculation would be that if the overall Greater Toronto Area was allowed to approve basement apartments immediately, we could probably have 100,000 units available within 12 to 18 months. Not only will it be good for permits, so in other words, government makes more money, but also the building trades, you know, people that can come in and do renovations. And of course, you want to make sure if you do a basement apartment, you meet fire code, make sure your insurance company is happy with the renovations that you do, and make sure the municipality signs off on it. So there's a lot of things, a lot of rules and regulations you have to follow. Uh, most importantly, egress, everybody's got to be safe. But when the one thing I will tell you is that if done properly, we could turn around and in a very, very short time, take care of some of this. And I think most of you that have tuned in over the last little while, you would have heard me talk about the idea that I really believe that we should be able to create legal duplexes and triplexes in some of these properties, which would allow people to buy more often than not. So a couple of things, of course, that we're looking at. So again, housing predictions coming up for 2019 right now. What do we know? Well, there it's kind of hard to predict. Again, Bank of Canada interest rates talking about the GM closing. You know, is the Canadian economy going to take a bit of a dip? That could slow down the Bank of Canada. Of course, down south of us in the U.S., the Fed, they're, uh, you know, they want to put the pedal to the metal and keep the rates going up. Canada should not try to compete with the U.S. This is the one thing that I've always encouraged. You know, we are our standalone real estate market. We weathered the storm in 2009. The U.S., of course, did not. And it was interesting because I was talking to a real estate investor the other day, and he said to me that he had owned out in the Arizona area, and he ended up losing the property. But ultimately, in the end, when he bought it, they were willing to give him 110% financing on it. So they take the value and added 10%. So we had no money in, plus they throw another 10% at it, uh, I guess for pocket change. And ultimately in the end, uh, you wonder why a market collapsed. I mean, they were, they were pretty much hedging future values and that's that speculative market. One of the things I do not always encourage, in fact, I've tried to tell people, you know, be smart. Uh, if you invest, buying investment real estate should be long-term, not to make a quick buck. And uh, so we'll have to wait and see what's going to happen with the market. A um, couple other things, of course. Greater Vancouver, by the way, this was, I found this interesting. Pre-sale real estate sees an unexpected rise in units for sale. So because of the softer demand in the marketplace, they're actually getting some inventory. And that's incredible because, you know, Vancouver was basically you know 10 people would line up for just one unit and now right now they've got some excess properties so that's that's not too bad uh, but one of the other numbers of course in the, the news that we have to be careful is 
National vacancy rate falls to 2.4%. Uh, so demand is still outpacing supply. This is the one that, again, you know, when we talk about supply itself, we definitely need to figure out a solution on how to get supply uh, into the marketplace. And uh, we'll have to see how it goes. So when I come back, I'm going to be joined by Roger Boma. And he is actually a broker uh, realtor in the Oshawa area. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. So I'm pretty sure everyone uh, out there has been listening to the reports about GM leaving Oshawa. And instead of me guessing about the real estate market, I mean, we never guess. We can always pull up all the information. But I thought I'd bring in actually somebody that is a professional in that marketplace. And I want to introduce to the show Roger Bauma. And he is a broker, but he's also with Remax Jazz in Oshawa. There for uh, 29 years. So I'm pretty sure he's got a pretty good take on the real estate market. And uh, Roger, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Obviously, you had to be hiding under a rock if you didn't hear what was going on with GM. Um, I want to get your reaction. You know, what, what, what's your initial reaction of what's going on? Oh, I think my my initial reaction and and uh, and everyone else's uh, was was disappointment. Um, a company that uh, that Oshawa helped build, um, General Motors. The the name uh, General Motors of Canada went on buildings in Oshawa uh, exactly a hundred years ago. Actually, nineteen nineteen. Wow. Okay, and and just uh, for clarification, you, you and I were talking off air. Uh, you actually worked and help help build some of that plant. Is that correct? I uh, I was an industrial electrician uh, working for General Motors. I left there uh, 29 years ago. So uh, it is so for me. It's it's personal. I, I still have a few coworkers left there. I have uh, I have some friends there. Um, my neighbors, my clients, um, that, that's our disappointment. That's, that's our shock. Um, but, but I will say this, um, General Motors has been slowly leaving Oshawa for 30 years. When I left General Motors, um, there were more than 20,000 employees there. Um, I think it's, it's the last 2,522, I think the number is, um, that are, that are going to lose their job. That's, that's going to make the, the, the biggest impression because, uh, well, the GM name is is coming off the buildings in Oshawa in a year. Wow. Um, so lots to talk about this hour. Uh, you know, obviously, I want to talk to you about what you think the impact is on the real estate part of it uh, as well. You know, we've got a lot of lot of land, a lot of buildings there. You know, maybe we can talk about, you know, what would they what should they do as far as repurposing that? And of course, you know, let's talk about the market itself uh, in Oshawa. Um, before before we get down the road on everything, how about we just kind of do a quick overview on Oshawa itself? Because quite frankly, you know, I really believe that a lot of our listeners, especially the ones more in the West End, you know, they think, they almost think that Oshawa is a standalone, you know, not really merged with the GTA. You know, they believe that it's such an outer market. Uh, you know, people from Hamilton probably think it's, you know, another country. So can you, can you kind of give us an overview of Oshawa as itself as a whole? And let's talk a little bit about the existing employment that's happening there. Yeah, Oshawa is, is uh, has become quite a changed city. It's diversified substantially over the last uh, over the last 20 or 30 years but you're right I was I was at a, a dinner in Toronto when the news broke and and there certainly is this perception that Oshawa is an island and everyone works at uh, works at General Motors but uh, manufacturing overall including uh, GM and uh, and and the plants that feed them um, account for they're actually the number four employer now in uh, in Oshawa um, education uh, two universities and uh, and a college um, that are doing very well. 
um, and helping to grow our economy, especially on the tech side. Uh, healthcare, um, retail, are th- those are the top three employers uh, in Oshawa today. So 2,500 jobs is going to hurt. It's going to hurt especially those, uh, those 2,500 families. Um, but it is, they're not a significant player anymore in, uh, in terms of uh, employment in our city. Yeah, because, you know, if you read the headlines, you know, and, and again, obviously we feel for the people that are losing their job, especially right before Christmas. But, you know, they do have a year to play it out and there will be packages and people will be, you know, shoring up, let's say, pensions. And one of the things that you and I were talking about, uh, of course, was the fact that the perception that if 2,500 jobs get lost, you know, and, and I had all sorts of, you know, different different stations and TV stations calling me saying, hey, what's your feedback on, you know, is, is the Oshawa real estate going to collapse because of this? And I said, well, hang on, like Oshawa's got a big marketplace. Taking 2,500, even if it was every one employee owned a property and lost it, that's 2,500 units, in a, in which would only represent about 2% of the overall market in Oshawa itself, as far as actual properties. Um, but, you know, when when I asked you about it, you said, hey, Todd, wait a minute, there's, you know, a lot of people actually are coming down to their, you know, going to get full pension. You know, what's your take on it? Yeah, again, it's, it's um, out of that 2,500, a good chunk are going to be eligible for their pension. Um, uh, typically, uh, the the union and the company will negotiate some sort of a, 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 a thank you very much. Uh, uh, those packages have looked differently uh, different over the years. Uh, but but I think the other thing to to pay attention to is uh, uh, that those twenty five hundred people don't all live in Oshawa. I mean, some of them live in in uh, in Belleville, in in Port Perry, in areas on the east of Toronto. Um, I used to work with a fellow that drove in from Barrie every day. Sure. Well, and and that's that's part and parcel of you know any major company like that. It's not just local uh, employment. Now, of course, there's been a lot said that you know some of the some of the local shops are going to struggle because again, you know the little restaurants that are surrounding that area. But you know it doesn't mean that this area has to become an immediate wasteland. You know, it, it just depends on what they decide to do with the actual properties themselves. Yeah, and I, I think that's one of the things we're going to be we're going to be looking to see is what General Motors' intent is to do. With uh, with the property, I think it's uh, it's 10 million square feet of shop floor. Um, we uh, we we could use that. Um, we we um, we are we're turning away companies because we do not have service land uh, to accommodate them. Well, there's a whole bunch of service land that uh, that hopefully will be available to that marketplace. Yeah, you know, immediately as soon as as soon as I heard the release, you know, and and again, you, you, as you said, you get over that initial shock. You start thinking about you thinking about okay, what is going to be the true repercussion of this coming into the market? I I would say from a real estate perspective, I don't see values dipping, you know, because again, you mentioned uh, not everybody lives in Oshawa. Uh, there are people that are very close to their pensions, so the chances are they'll still be able to afford their homes through their pensions if that was their intent anyways. You know, we're not going to see a mass exodus from the Oshawa area. And and by the way. Uh, to, for all our listeners' sake, you know, one of the one of the struggles I've always had was the fact that people are complaining that they they find housing uh, unaffordable. But right now, in the GTA, the Oshawa area is probably the most affordable marketplace they can get into. Oshawa has the most affordable housing uh, in the GTA. You can you can come to Oshawa and buy a, a nice nineteen uh, seventies built semi detached home, three bedrooms, gas heat, two bathrooms, around the the uh, the four hundred thousand dollar mark. You can buy a nineteen sixties 
uh, brick bungalow, 1,000 thousand square foot uh, brick bungalow, probably 450, 460. Um, get a little fancier and a little nicer, uh, and and you're into the fives. But uh, but um, uh, former former uh, Durham Regional Chair uh, Roger Anderson used to say, for the for the price of a condo in Toronto, you can have a front yard and a backyard in Durham Region. <laughs> I like that. Um, listen, I'm gonna we're gonna go to a quick break. When we come back, though, I want to talk more about what you think the repercussion is into the marketplace, and I want to talk more about Oshawa. So, folks, I'm gonna be right back, and uh, stay tuned. And welcome back. My guest this hour in the studio is Roger Bauma, and he's a real estate broker. He's with Remax Jazz in Oshawa. And by the way, um, if you missed any part of the show, make sure you go to our website at Newstalk 1010 and click on my SoundCloud account. You don't want to miss what we're talking about, of course, with the, with the, new, the news that has been released this week regarding Oshawa and the GM. And um, so, Roger, just before the break, you and I were discussing, you know, really the impact in the real state market but you know with that much new land that could come available i mean you know you hear all these people that uh these companies they were trying to entertain toronto coming in you know uh you know i immediately thought amazon you know as far when when i started thinking of the gm plant i mean 10 million square feet of floor space that's massive yeah it's a it's a it's a huge footprint and it's a it's a huge opportunity uh, for business or businesses to uh, to look at Oshawa, and I think it's a uh, it's a uh, it's a neat opportunity for Oshawa to imagine what its future might be in in a. Uh, you know we're we're a, we're a proud automotive um, uh, city. We 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 have that history, um, starting with uh, with the McLaughlin Buick um, and uh, and then Chevrolet and then they what you know creating creating General Motors. Um, so that's that's going to be a big part of our history. But but we now have to imagine what our future is going to be. Sure. Now, speaking of your future, uh, you you had alluded to you know uh, good employment coming from universities. Uh, yep. You know, you've got some growing universities in your marketplace. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah, education has been has been huge in the in the diversification of our city. So we have we have Trent University, we have um, we have Durham College. I'm a I'm a graduate of uh, of Durham College. Um, heavily focused on the on the tech side, not just the tech side. Um, and the University of Ontario Institute of Technology, which we call uh, which we call UOIT, um, there there um, there is the the, uh, the the tech sector in our city in our region is uh, is growing significantly as a result of uh, of the education uh, that's provided. Uh, there's a group looking to uh, to build a, a collaborative tech center. And I forget just exactly what they call it, but they're looking for 65,000 square feet um, for uh, for startups in the tech sector. Uh, I know the city of Oshawa is has their eye on a beautiful old Canada Post building in our downtown to uh, to make that opportunity available. The uh, the face of the city is uh, the image of the city is uh, is is changing uh, significantly, and it's uh, it's why I think uh, the city will weather the storm and weather it well. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. And um, by the way, if uh, anybody from GM is listening right now, um, give me a call. I would love to, uh, you know, put an offer in on those 10 million square feet. Just, uh, I think I think it's going to be a great value in the future. But anyways, um, so let's talk about real estate. Uh, obviously, uh, you are an active broker. Uh, you've got your own team. Let's talk about the market. You know, if you're going to take a quick overview of 2018, what do you think? Was it Was 2018 a good year? year or just kind of an average year 
2018 was a was a good year. wasn't uh, It wasn't as spectacular as uh, as 2015, 2016, right through to the you know right through to the spring of 2017. Um, but overall, um, uh, sales are up. Um, uh, prices are up modestly, but uh, but prices are up. Um, if you, you know, if, if you bought a house in, in March of 2017, you, you do have a home that's worth less than it, uh, was worth when you, when you bought it. But if you bought your home two years ago, your home is still worth a fair bit more than what you paid for it. Yeah. I always, I always tell people, uh, you know, when you take a look at the wave, just, it always depends. And there was about a six month window that if you bought just near the end of 2016, roll it into the spring of 2017, that's the, those are the people that are feeling it the most right now. Yep. And, and those values will recover. <clears throat> Oh yeah, I mean, there's no question. As <clears throat> excuse me, as we continue on our shortage, and 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 we do need to talk about shortage because, you know, uh, you you brought up the fact that there are purpose-built rental buildings being done in Oshawa, and yet you know that's something that <clears throat> has been eluding Toronto. It's been a real struggle for Toronto to get that, but now Oshawa, you're saying, has has a few of those happening. Yeah, we we've had a, a number of new builds um, um, on the condo side and on the uh, the residential uh, rental side. Um, most interesting is that we're seeing uh, a fair bit of that, that activity in our downtown, which is which is great. It's putting people on the streets. It's uh, it's uh, it's helping the uh, our, our downtown has gone uh, like many downtowns has gone from being a, a largely retail downtown to being a, a, a downtown of restaurants and entertainment. We've got uh, the uh, the GM Center, of course, where our Oshawa Generals uh, play. Um, but I also got to uh, to watch Gordon Lightfoot uh, there uh, just uh, just two weeks ago or so. Um, we've got the, uh, the the Regent Theater that uh, that brings in a, a ton of entertainment. So the uh, um, adding that residential component uh, to our downtown has um, it has has really been uh, terrific for our city. Yeah, excellent. Um, so a couple things, uh, you know, taking a look at a little bit of your resume, you've uh, you've spent a lot of time working in the real estate uh, associations, obviously in the surrounding areas, not just Ottawa itself. Yes, I'm the I'm the past president of the uh, Durham Region. Uh, Association of Realtors. I've uh, I've actually served. I'm I'm in the last uh, uh, day um, um, as of as of this evening. I will be uh, off the board of directors, but I served on the board of directors for four years. Served as their as their uh, president for uh, for 2017. Been involved in in other aspects of organized real estate. I'm I'm active in the Ontario Realtor Party, which is the political action side of the. Ontario uh, Real Estate Association, um, and um, yeah, it's it's. Uh, Ed, you know, Todd, uh, that uh, that this is a great business, and uh, and if if you feel this business has been generous to you, you uh, you're just inclined to want to contribute to it. Yeah, no, I agree, and and you've got a you've had a wonderful career. Um, for our listeners' sake, not everybody um, knows what encompasses Durham, so it's not just Oshawa, obviously. No, Durham is um, is uh, is along the lakeshore. It's Pickering, Ajax, Whitby, uh, Oshawa, and Clarington, and then going north, it includes uh, beautiful communities like um, like Port Perry, uh, Uxbridge, Brock. Um, it's a uh, geographically. I don't I don't know the uh, the size of geographically but it's a it's a large area i think the the population of durham region is about six hundred and fifty thousand. right yeah so it, it, a really good size and and again when we talk about affordability because it's one of those things that obviously is is a key point right now in 2018 
you know, we've been looking at affordability, uh, the stress test that came into play, obviously some heat on interest rates. Um, you know, some people are saying that with this latest closure, uh, you know, and we're starting to see a little bit of manufacturing overall in Canada is starting to struggle as well, that the Bank of Canada may not be quite as quick to raise interest rates in 2019. Um, have, have you have you got any kind of feeling on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've heard that speculation as well, and I've 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 never really worried about interest rates because, in you know, in my view, our interest rates are still at or near record lows. Um, uh, when I started selling real estate twenty nine years ago, <laughs> I'll tell you that interest rates were a lot higher. Sure. Um, so so uh, whether we whether we bounce up or down by a by a quarter point, I don't I don't think hurts us. Um, delaying that uh, may may just help us a little, um, and uh, and I guess time will tell. Yeah. Well, I think. I think this, uh, the stress test was one of the big indicators where, you know, people's affordability, it dropped. And then immediately, you know, your first time home buyer, they were very much attracted to the condominium market. And since the average condominium now in Toronto, and, and, and this is the one thing that I think maybe you and I can go both give clarity to our, to our people, is the fact that, um, you know, condominium, when you hear uh, numbers such as 800 and $900 and $1,000 a square foot, most people don't realize that is not impacted on resale condominiums. We're talking brand new. This is what the builders are asking. So, you know, I, I get all sorts of people inquire about this kind of thing and say to me, hey, Todd, you know, I can only, I can only afford, you know, uh, you know, 500 square feet because it's $1,000 a, uh, $1, a square foot. And I said, hang on, where are you going with that? You know, go buy a 20-year-old building and you're $450 a square foot. Like there is still affordability in all marketplaces based on age. There, there, uh, there certainly is. Um, uh, one interesting stat from our marketplace is that uh, um, while the the detached home or the semi detached home may have lost value from the from the peak in March 2017, um, the, the the average condo was not. An average condo is actually worth about a thousand bucks more today than it was worth at uh, at what we would consider to be the uh, the, peak. the peak of our market. So the the and of course the condo market has uh, has is attractive to a demographic that's. Uh, that's looking to sell their 2,400 square foot, two-story, uh, four-bedroom home. Um, you know, the, the the kids are long yeah, gone, the and, and they yeah. yeah they don't uh, they don't need that space anymore. So I think that's helped uh, to uh, to drive the condo market. Um, but we still have some terrific condo value in Durham Region. I was just going to ask you, have you got some averages for us? You know, rough idea. The uh, the average condo apartment that sold in October sold for 377 thousand. Five hundred and forty-nine dollars in in October. I'm glad you rounded that one up. <laughs> yeah, and and when we take a look at uh, you know you take a look at the the heart of the GTA, so the downtown core, you know that's a far stretch. I mean, when you take a look at affordability, you know if you're in if you're if you're south of four hundred thousand, you're still very affordable, and that's that's one of the attractive things about your marketplace right now. Yeah. Again, we have. Uh, I, I believe that, uh, notwithstanding what's uh, what's happening right now in Oshawa, we have the the best value in the GTA, and uh, and as long as that's true, I think uh, buyers, especially first time buyers, are going to get their running shoes on and and uh, and drive east uh, looking for that value. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, Roger, what is the best way for our listeners to reach you? Uh, through my office um, uh, at uh, at Remax Jazz nine zero five four three four five four five two, or my website uh, bauma.ca b o u m a .ca. Excellent. Well, listen, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for this opportunity. Excellent, folks. That was Roger Bauma from Remax Jazz. Stay with us. I'll be right back after this.
And welcome back. So my guest now in the studio with me is Justin Sherwood, and he's the Senior Vice President, Communications and Stakeholder Relations at Build. And uh, welcome to the show, Justin. Good to be here, Todd. So it's interesting because, um, you know, I, I know Build has got a huge influence in the industry, obviously, of construction. Um, can you kind of just give us a bit of an overview about the company firsts for sure. our listeners? So Build is a, an industry association, and we represent uh, basically land developers, builders, uh, and professional renovators in the GTA. Yeah. Now, it's interesting because I've had a, a couple of your colleagues on, on uh, in the past, and I don't know if, if really our listeners can actually grasp how many builders and, and people in construction are actually, I mean, it, it's basically the biggest employment uh, in, I, I would say, across Canada as far as an industry goes. Yeah, it is massive. In the GTA, uh, in, in the area, I think we, we have a footprint of 260,000 people who work uh, in the industry in the GTA. Makes it bigger than the automotive industry. It's, uh, it's massive. Yeah, and, and it, it, it's incredible because, you know, a lot of times, um, you know, people will associate the idea with builders and and money you know it's it's that public perception and unfortunately um, a lot of people don't realize the red tape that has has hampered you know the life and and construction and you know right now as you know and, and I talk about it all the time on the show here you know we have an inventory shortage okay 100% and it's not because there's not willing parties or parties that want to build it's they just can't because of the red tape the bureaucracy the issues that come up come up you know basically they're being strangled and yet there is such a huge demand um you know over the next you know it was interesting because one one of the things that we we heard in the campaign promises was the fact that the government was going to start focusing on rental properties and delivering to the marketplace and i remember talking to a, a few developers when they said you know oh over the next 10 years there's you know we're, we we want to do 60,000 units and they just kind of laughed and said that's not even close of what the demand is what are we looking at? I mean, I mean, this is, you know, there was a new report, new study done and, and build, you know, had commented on it. It's massive. Yeah. So let's start with, we definitely have a supply problem uh, in the GTA. Uh, and there are many, many different reasons for that. Um, demand is going to continue to stay high. We're expecting 115,000 new residents in the GTA every year through 2041. That's 9.7 million people in 2041. It's huge demand. Sure. Um, what most people don't know is how long it actually takes to build in uh, and build a new community. So, um, you know, most people think you can just buy a piece of land, start getting shovels in the ground, and three, four years later, there you go. The reality couldn't be further from the truth. And so the new report that we, we put out looked at how long it takes to bring a new community uh, into into being, specifically at the edge of uh, of uh, urban centers. So right. it's called designated greenfield lands. It's just a fancy way of saying uh, new communities on the outskirts of Oakville, Brampton, you know, right. new subdivisions. Sure. Uh, and the reality is it takes about 10 years from a planning perspective, uh, just like a policy planning, just to get the this is what this thing's going to look like. This is uh, uh, where the roads are going to go. This is where the sewers are going to go. And then it takes another 10 years or more to build it out. So you're talking 20 years from start to finish. Sure. Uh, and a lot of that, unfortunately, is 
bureaucratic red tape. It's studies upon studies uh, and approval processes on approval processes. And what that really does is just throttles supply. Uh, and it just takes far too long to bring new communities to market. Yeah. And it's interesting that you, you know, you're, you're using the 20, 20 year approach because with taking a look at the sheer volume of people that are going to be in the GTA, even if, even if the builders are able to, you know, speed it up, there's still not going to be enough. Okay. Like right now, I think we're going to be in a supply deficit f- 20 years is is bare minimum, but to play catch up right now, and if I'm not mistaken, we probably provide about, with the builders currently in the in the greater Toronto area, maybe 15 to 20,000 new units being, you know, put back into the market, meaning that they can habitate, you know, they're, they're complete. Uh, some years it's been a little bit slower, in fact, and other years, you know, a little bit pushed, but even at 20,000, we still would not meet the demand that we're going to have. Yeah, so um, it's actually double that. So it's about 40,000 units in the GTHA, right? So right. bigger area uh, that you're, you're, you're uh, are coming on stream basically every year. It's actually a little short of that. Right. The reality is, you know, I think it was uh, Ryerson Center of Urban uh, Studies said we need about 47. We think we need about 50,000. So right. you're short consistently, you know, five, six, seven, ten thousand 10,000 a year every year cumulatively right uh, and that starts to build up so uh regardless the the key message here is we need to build more faster so one of the questions that uh, and and i've had a few um a few people on regarding this topic but um you know uh but a week and a half ago um the uh, ford government decided that they would allow builders to develop purpose-built rental properties and they uh, will not have rent control on them. Do you think this is? Uh, do you think we're going to see a bit of a push towards that? Because as soon as the wind government put in rent control, we watched a few a few developers backtrack and say, "If you're going to give us rent control, then we're going to make these condominium, or we're not going to do them." Uh, so I, I think the industry is very pleased with uh, the direction that the new government is taking, and specifically the announcement last week uh, as it pertains to rent control. Uh, for the simple reason is it provides the incentive to build more units. Uh, if all of a sudden you, you cap um, uh, rents, um, it, it takes away the incentive to build more property. And if you're looking at a supply issue, which is fundamentally what we have, it's a supply issue, sure. uh, you want to have policies that encourage more units to come on. Uh, and that, in the end, will take uh, the, the supply-demand situation will take care of itself. So... Yeah. Uh, very pleased with the direction uh, of the Ford of the Ford government, um, and uh, they're also making some very encouraging noises about putting together a strategy to address housing supply in general. And quite frankly, it's the right thing to do, and, and we're happy with that to, to hear that too. Yeah, I was going to say, do they, do, you know, are they able to partner with you and some of your members to be able to bring more to the marketplace? Because, you know, again, you know, you get governments promising that they're going to develop, and we know that that's probably not in everybody's best interest or in a timely fashion. But, you know, they do have, they do have and own land that would definitely, you know, open up a supply chain if they were able to release some of this. Yeah, I, I think I think the key issue is, the land's there. There is, it's not that there's a shortage of land. It's the time that it takes to get that land ready to build on. And the best thing that the government can do is to cut the bureaucratic red tape, 
reduce the time that it takes to bring this land to market uh, and, and allow builders to do what they do best, which is to build new communities for families. Yeah. Now, are we going to start looking at a shortage of tradespeople? I mean, you know, you, 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 you know, obviously builds right on top of this part of it um, with, uh, with all your members. And it just seems like, you know, we've got a bit of an aging demographic, maybe not as many young people coming in thinking that this is uh, the way to go. You know, um, I was just having this discussion with with my kids. Uh, you know, I'm encouraging them to take a look at the trades options. Uh, it, it's no secret we've got a shortage of skilled trades now. Demographically, it's going to get even worse. So we need to be encouraging young people to consider trades as a, as a career destination. Well, and it's interesting because you know compensation has gone up uh, a great deal over the years. You know the 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 properly trained, certified tradespeople. You know you know once was when people would sit there and say, yeah, you know, twenty dollars an hour now is fifty dollars an hour, forty dollars an hour. Like it's amazing that there is that evolution. But you know, again, you know, this could hamper our development process if we start seeing more and more trades, you know, falling down. And, you know, can the government implement a program that maybe encourages people to go this way? I'm sure they can. It's not my area of expertise to, right. to be candid, but I, I'm sure uh, that uh, the government uh, is probably already looking at what can be done. Uh, and we need to partner with industry to come up with creative solutions. We need to be more innovative as you take a look at, uh, at at, at the processes that we use to build communities uh, because there is going to be a, a shortage of skilled labor. It, it, there is today a shortage of skilled labor right. uh, and we just need to be able to, to plan for that and layer on top of that how do we get more people into skilled trades? Because it's it's a fantastic career, yeah. uh, rewarding career, and you know I, I can't think of anything more rewarding than than building people's houses and communities where they live. Yeah. Yeah. No, you know what? I think I think it's very bright uh, for people to be able to look towards the future. Obviously, you know we've got to get past the government at this point. <laughs> you know, get rid of some of the red tape. Um, what, do you see anything um, you know strong for 2019? If if you're going to take out your crystal ball, you know, obviously, anything that is on the build wish list. <laughs> uh, from a, from a policy perspective, yeah, yeah I, I think uh, the government uh, has already made some some very uh, positive noises that uh, a, a supply strategy is coming. And, and that's, by the way, is good for everyone. It's, uh, it's not uh, just for the industry perspective. Uh, it's for all the people who are moving to the GTA who are looking uh, for, for housing. It's good for millennials who are struggling to get into their first homes. It's good for grandparents who want their grandkids to be able to grow, uh, grow up in the same communities. So, um, I think from a wish list perspective, we just want to see that process work through. Uh, and if we can get some steps that will reduce bureaucratic red tape that will allow us to free up supply, uh, we'll be happy. Yeah, excellent. Well, listen, uh, Justin, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show today. Well, thank, thank you, you so very much. much for coming in. And um, we'll definitely have to touch base in the new year, and we'll see if, if the government's doing what they, they plan on. Looking forward to it. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you so much. Folks, that was Justin Sherwood, and he is the Senior Vice President of Communications and Stakeholder Relations at Build. Well, that's a wrap for this week. And uh, I just want to thank my producers, Mike and Ian. Of course, everybody's keeping it simple for me, especially at this time of year. I appreciate that. And of course, I want to thank you for tuning in. Uh, remember, you can go to simpleinvestor.com to find out more about our seminar and our releases. Uh, I'm back next week. As 
as usual at 3 p.m. And make sure you mark your calendar. If you uh, if you're wanting to ask some questions, I'm going to open up the phone lines on the 15th. We've got a two-hour special coming your way. That's right, Simply Real Estate from 3 to 5 on Saturday the 15th. And if you've got a question that you want to have answered uh, on on the air, you can do it. You can reach out to me. And if not, you know that you can reach me here at The Simple Investor, Todd, at thesimpleinvestor.com. Of course, if you have any questions. And uh, that's it. So I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010.